Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast. This is your guide to the geek side, and this is episode 326. I'm your host, Todd Oxtra, joined by Charlie Carden. Todd, you are the hardest working man in the in in the plant wars business. I'll tell you, you're an you're an inspiration to all of us unemployed bums. I try hard. Uh, I work hard for the money. I work hard for the money. So hard, hard for the for money. Donna, da, Donna Summer and yes. her waitress job in that video. Oh yes. wow, who could ever forget? Did, did her man treat her right, or was it one of those unanswered questions? Apparently, the disco era did not go so well for her because then she had to work uh, as a waitress, right. and apparently she sung her way out of that job. I was going to say, she she must have managed her money like MC Hammer. <laughs> you know, as I always call, and I, and I call Pitbull the uh, today's uh, MC Hammer. Is uh, he I mean, really? Oh, Is, yeah. no, that man would not pass up a promotion opportunity if it hits you, but it's for some reason it's like it was looked down upon when MC Hammer did it, but now it's like he doesn't. It's like, but he's still hipping cool. I don't understand him, Mr. Worldwide. I, Mr. I, Worldwide, yeah. I don't understand. Oh him. my goodness! Oh, well. I, but, but this you know, is not he, a music podcast. He's making money. It's okay. Yes, no, it's not. But we do talk about all things geek related, and I've got to tell you, um, for our, our comic book cover this week, which of course, uh, you know, one thing we do every week is we take the number of our episode. We find a corresponding comic cover, and you know, as as luck would have it, we often find ones that are in like the 70s or the 80s or the 90s that the cover is ridiculous. And uh, this week, we actually went outside our normal uh, touchstones of Marvel and DC Comics to the delights of a 1977 issue of Archie Comics, Pep! Todd, what are we looking at? Oh my goodness! Uh, the time appears to be 1977. Uh, Pep 326 is 35 cents, and uh, apparently the CV craze was all around. Everybody has CB and everything, and Archie took that to the extreme. He put a CB on his uh, skateboard. He's got a big old antenna, and he says, "Shrewd dude to Burger Boy," and he's obviously talking to probably. Uh, Jughead, am I guessing? And then uh, the owner of Pop says, sometimes I think the CB craze is getting out of hand. And everyone laughed and give high fives. Oh, my. And this must have been before Star Wars, because I, I wonder I wonder if there was any tie in from Archie Comics, Pet Magazine, to Star Wars at this time, since it was such a phenomenon, because it seemed to be everywhere. So do you think that there was some kind of Star Wars Archie Comics spoof, you know? If, uh, you know, Jughead would have been Han Solo and Archie would have been Luke and uh, uh, Betty would have been uh, Leia. And so that would have made Veronica Chewbacca C-3PO. You know what? I I don't know if they were not just permanently in the 50s. I think they might have just been stuck there like the Simpsons. It was always the same time period. But I will give you a little history on Pep Comics. Pep Pep Comics um, actually started in 1940. But get this, God. it only ran for 56 issues, and it was starring heroes, uh, The Shield, The Comet, uh, Fu Chang, International Detective, Scotland Yard, uh, K.O. Ward, Danny in Wonderland, The Fireball, Madam Satan, Ooh, and Madam Archie, Satan. apparently, eventually, 
Yeah, uh, Archie eventually appeared in it. Uh, he he was not he didn't debut as a character Archie until 1941. So there you go, Pep Comics, um, and a lot of those characters. Yeah, I remember the Shield and the Comet. I remember them trying to like break into like uh, you know success. I think in the 80s and just didn't go anywhere. Oh well, sorry, Pep Comics. Oh no, Pep Comics, Archie and the Archie and the Shield. My goodness. But anyway, moving right along. As fascinating as that was, we should talk about some things that are a little bit closer uh, to the heat on the street. Uh, and when we do that, who, who's always got the who's always got the straight dope for us? Who's got the buzz? Oh, Charlie, we turn to our gal pal, our senior news correspondent. So without further delay, Madam Webb, take it away. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Well, Charlie, you did miss it last week because Kyle was a huge hit with Madam Webb. He's a Long Island boy. I think she's out in uh, Staten Island. And apparently right. uh, their first date is coming up. They connected on ICQ. No, I don't, I don't even really know. What is ICQ? Educate. You know, educate. Oh, God. OK, so ICQ was an Internet uh, protocol for chatting. Uh, kind of like AOL Instant Messenger, but ICQ kind of put all of them together, like Yahoo Messenger, AOL Instant Messenger. And that was a big part of Internet dating back in the late 90s because there wasn't really a lot of – I mean there was Yahoo Personals and things like that. So ICQ is how you chatted with people, and that was a big part of Internet dating. So Madam Web still uses it. Wow, that that one passed me right by. It's not like I wasn't dating back then, but oh my Charlie, goodness! Charlie, yeah, I was gonna say you're you're you were you were a married man before the internet dating craze happened. So I, but I I did get back into it when I was single again. But I, I, it was before Tinder, which is apparently just a just a huge wasteland of Tinder, Grinder, Hinge. Yeah, There's so many different apps that we know about. All people just looking for hookups, or whatever it is. Nobody's looking for love anymore, Todd. But we're we're always looking for love. Well, hopefully Kyle and Madam Web found it. So I hope so. Uh, but, but moving I... on, uh, you know, Charlie, um, this first story, which is a trailer based on a, a series of well, one movie, a series <laughs> is of one getting movies. a sequel. Yes, it's it's getting a sequel, and that is Venom Two. Uh, what is it? The Time of Carnage is what it's the uh, the, the little tagline. Uh, 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 absolute, no, God. Oh, let there be carnage. Let there be carnage. I knew it was not absolute carnage because that's just right from the book. But, um, but yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I, Todd, you, you, of course, we've both seen Venom. Uh, I was horribly opposed to it when it happened. Uh, it, you know, completely cuts ties, uh, with ba- in a lot of ways, the source material changes the setting. There's no connection to Spider Man. There was no connection to anything really comic related, but this seems to be turning it around. With the introduction of uh, the the greatest nemesis that the you know the, that Venom ever had, and certainly that Spider Man had, though he's again not part of this, uh, Carnage, uh, who was teased at the end of the first film, played by your favorite barback Woody Harrelson. Yes, Cletus Cassidy, uh, basically insane, and you know obviously the the symbiote that took him over uh, basically uh, brought out the 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 worst in the symbiote, um, and uh, he's basically on uh, looks like death row and he's put to death and something happens. So I you know it's the symbiotes were um, from outer space in the movie I believe, and then they were or were they. Experimented and created in a lab. I can't even remember to tell you. I mean, in the you know, 
I think it was a lab based thing. I mean, the comics they came from, uh, you know, they came from an alien planet. Uh, you know, it, it came out in this uh, on the Secret Wars planet, though. There has been tied to you and I started reading the King in Black, which is proof that there's a symbiote planet ruled by a, a deity named Null or Knoll or something. But yeah, that's the origin. But in these movies, they were created in the lab by uh, the dude from Rogue One plus Jenny Slate, I guess. Very, 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 yeah. Yeah, Riz Ahmed, thank you. Very very villainous villainous duo. Yeah, so you know, the the first movie was just a weird mix of just I don't know if it truly knew what it wanted to be, but it definitely you could hint at it they were just having a good time and not taking themselves too seriously. Tom Hardy did a weird accent, but there was a lot of he was kind of playing it off as kind of, you know, silly and in this movie the second one you can definitely tell they're just just taking on the odd couple theme um with the 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 music that they played in the trailer you know they got this odd you know symbiotic relationship (laughs) Uh, and it just seems like it's this weird mix of just trying to make the best of a bad situation which i think is a fresh take it's not a take we've probably seen because, you know, for the mo- longest time, it was all about rage and murder and everything with Venom trying to get Peter Parker. But I don't know if we ever saw that kind of more lighthearted relationship with Venom in the comics. I can't recall. No, I, yeah, it was Venom, particularly in the 90s, was very extreme. And a lethal murdery. protector. He was a lethal protector. But even before that, he was just just wanted to eat Peter Parker's brains and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there was no one that Cletus Cassidy was out of control. And then, you know, there was the maximum carnage where he had his little killer family. And one of them was a, a weird doppel like de- de- demon Spider-Man and Letha the killer. And it was just very cliched. So um, so this will, I'm sure, employ its own cliches. Uh, but we will find that out when this comes out in September. And, of course, we'll be seeing it. Yeah, September 24th, and I'm trying to remember, um, you know, how much the first one made, but it was huge. I mean, uh, considering what the expectations were with that movie, um, it made almost $900 million. So, I Whoa. mean, yeah, that's that's kind of big. So, no wonder they're continuing to go on this. And, you know, we still have Morbius coming uh, in the Sony-verse of Spider-Man characters, I guess we're calling it. Um, and this is apparently not tied to the MCU. They've kind of made it clear. Right. So it, it's doing its own thing. Uh, so maybe if things go down the line, maybe they'll bring it in with the multiverse of madness and Venom can join that world. And maybe Spidey, you know, picks up Eddie Brock's girlfriend or something. And that's how they learn to hate each other. Could be exactly. Yeah, he parks in his parking space. He 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 steps on a shoe and smudges his puma. You never can. You know. Tell. You never know. We'll just continue on, Charlie, with with trailers since Please. we're on that bet. So uh, the next trailer is all you, my friend. Yes. Well, I am. I'm a long time fan of GI Joe. Uh, you know, back in the '80s, Todd and I diverge a little bit. He's Transformers. I'm GI Joe. Uh, I had those two great posters that I got because my mom worked at a, a television station in the '80s that showed both. Uh, so I had a great vintage Transformers poster, which I gave to Todd. It hangs in his home. I've got a great vintage GI Joe poster uh, that hangs in my basement uh, that I have always cherished since I got it in the mid '80s. But anyway, it's funny. I was just this very evening. I'm drafting a series of online courses uh, for. Starfleet Academy with the, the you know the Star Trek International Fan Club because I, I'm on faculty there, uh, so I was just writing before I got in here a, a GI Joe exam. So I love GI Joe, 
Um, this is a return to cinema for G.I. Joe. We had uh, in 2009 G.I. Joe Retaliation, I think, or G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. 2013 was G.I. Joe Retaliation. Both were nothing to write home about. One did have The Rock. Uh, not great, uh, but this uh, this film is going to be just about Snake Eyes. Called a prequel, though, it does look like it's set in the modern day. But then again, the modern day could you know simply be 15 years ago, and pr- things probably would look so incredibly different from this trailer. So it could be 15 years ago. But anyway, our Snake Eyes is uh, Asian actor Henry Goulding, Goulding, Goulding or Golding. Goulding, Goulding, who uh, we remember from Crazy Rich Asians, which we found uh, very amusing because, of course, she had Aquafina in, and I love everything she does. Um, playing Snake Eyes, uh, you see in this fast-paced trailer many familiar faces. Storm Shadow, I think, the Hard Master, who was another character from the comics. You see Scarlet, you see the Baroness, uh, and those are all figure uh, are all characters that action figures are on the slate, so you know they're uh, in motion. Um, but you know you're seeing exactly what you expect: a lot of martial arts fighting. Uh, you know they're dancing around on top of cars and shooting guns, and cars flipping over, and there's truck stuff, and it's just going to be a blow 'em up, smash 'em up. So obviously I'm going to see it because of you know my overall dedication to genre things in general and GI Joe specifically, but. It's not it's not necessarily paying homage to the source material, but the source material is 40 years old. So how could they get away with not modernizing it? You know what I mean? I don't even really necessarily find the fact that they had to find an Asian actor to be Snake Eyes, which the character was not originally Asian, here nor there. I just don't really care. It doesn't really make a difference to me. Make me something that's entertaining, and I'll find a way not to bitch about it. I'll put it to you like that. Yeah, it's an interesting mix. Yeah, because it's definitely a different take than 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 the source material by Larry Hama, um, which which is perfectly fine. You can adjust it and stick to whatever, as long as the the, the actual product they give is entertaining and good. I'll I, I'll, I'll make a promise to you when this film comes out because I know Larry Hama. If he remembers me from a couple of years ago when we met in Lansing and I kind of squirreled him about the Lansing Comic Con, I will reach out to him on social media and see if he wants to join us. I would love it. I mean, um, it would be fun. I like our our goal is always find creators and, and people that are doing stuff in the world of nerd. So, Mr. Hanna, please join us. We'd love to talk to you. Um, and it is going to be interesting though because they did introduce. Uh, they showed Scarlet and Baroness. I don't know if I saw other iconic characters. Obviously, what Hardmaster was. Yeah, was, see, the, was the, the was the the African American fellow who again, he, but which is weird because he's an Asian character. You know, so I did, but they, they they found an actor fit the bill again, much like the people bitch to no end about, oh, that's not my Batman, or I didn't like this interpretation of the Joker. It's a character, character's going to change, it's going to move to fit. You know, you're not you're not making a biography about Warren G. Harding. You know what I mean? Where the where things are very finite. This is a fictional character. There's going to be liberties and things are going to be different. So just deal with it. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see. So this is a reboot it's not incorporating the past gi joe movies hopefully i mean they can do whatever they want they don't have to have bring back channing tatum and yeah and again but it's described as you know gi joe origin so this simply mean that yes is this a reboot that will then move forward into because this is a it's not really a prequel but it is a reboot i mean do we have clarity on that or you just kind of 
I think this is a reboot because I don't think they intend to not have, uh, you know, like those iconic characters in the future. I believe Duke was killed. That's why Channing Tatum Tatum hated the movie and he was forced to be in the sequel. And so he was like killed off early. So that's just the thing. All all the Joes were including Scarlett, who was in the first film, but not the second film. Yet she's a character in this movie. Yeah, so and it's a different actress. So I'm guessing what they're going to do is just saying this is just a refresh and right. going to be able to play it off. Now, the funny part is you've got an actor who's probably going to speak in this film. And then in the future, we're probably going to are we going to see him like, you know, lose his vocal cords or whatever and no longer be able to talk and never show his face again. That's going to be hard for an actor because maybe it's just a we don't have to use you in future movies. Right. Well, they can it's use whoever they want. Exactly. 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 So it's a very so, weird we'll see. for an actor. Yeah, it's a very weird, uh, you know, role for an actor. I mean, I don't know how many other roles we've had a, have a silent protagonist work. I am Groot is the closest thing, I guess. Um, so yeah, and at least he can say I am Groot. You don't have si- Snake Eyes saying I am Snake Eyes. No, it yes. doesn't work. Well, oh well. But but you know he could always write it down. That's true. That's ninjas love chalkboards. Uh, yes, yeah. So uh, moving on, um, and Snake Eyes comes out when, Charlie? Did we say? Uh, July. July. Okay. July. Yeah. That you know, and it's and it's being produced by. Is it part of the Paramount family or? I can't even remember. So uh, I, I, I feel I feel like it was yes. Okay, so this may be coming to Paramount Plus because I think that's their deal. Movie debuts, and then it goes to uh, the service like 45 days later. So if you want to wait and not pay the money, you can watch it on Paramount Plus. Oh, well, um, moving on. Uh, We are getting some content now being uh, presented what's going to happen this fall for Halloween. Sci-fi has just found their niche. They just (laughs) do what they do. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So they announced because I think everybody's doing like their 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 front half announcements and what program is coming uh, for the major networks. I think even Netflix and the other uh, streaming networks even play along now. Um, and Chucky is basically coming back. He's getting his own series. And this is going to debut on uh, Sci-Fi in USA. I don't know how this will work because the last time a uh, a horror icon had a series. I think it was Freddy's Nightmares, or <laughs> and I don't know if that was really good or not. And he was more like the host, and he actually didn't occur in them. So I don't know how this will work, but apparently we're going to get Brad Dourif back as the voice. Uh, we're going to get an ensemble cast that includes his daughter, Fiona Dourif, along with Jennifer Tilly, Devin Siwa, Sawa, and Lexa Doig. Devin Sawa was the kid who was the star of the first Final Destination oh, okay. movie. That's, yeah. about, that's about all I can think of. Sure, and Jennifer Tilly needs something to do. So yeah, I mean, well, she, gonna... she's she's only ever in these movies. Yeah, so exactly. The, the, is she going to be the bride of Chucky? Is this? I mean, I don't know where this is going. If this is just continuation, uh, but apparently this is going to be where more like Chucky is the menace rather than being the main focus of the movie, where you have these people trying to probably track him down. But it's hard to do that in a series versus you know a one-off you know two-hour movie. So we'll see how this goes. I don't have sci-fi. Um, I don't have USA, so I won't be able to watch. So oh. unless it goes to like Peacock and I get it for free. I will probably be uh, passing on that. What a shame. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Next, we have Slumber Party Massacre, which I believe in, they say it's a retelling of the 80s cult slasher classic. We may have to revisit that movie this fall, Charlie, um, you know, because I can't remember ever seeing it. Uh, yeah, it sounds delightful. Uh, whatever yeah, you say. Uh, 
Yeah, Roger Corman directed the original, uh, but basically uh, this is going to be, what you can imagine, a slumber party massacre. I don't think they're they're going to be reading books and going to the library. Oh, that's a shame. I enjoy those things. I'm, I'm really bummed out. Yeah, the next we've got Day of the Dead. Six strangers try to survive the first 24 hours of an undead invasion. Ten episodes uh, written and uh, written and showrun by Jed Elinoff, Scott Thomas. Uh, basically, it's a loving nod to uh, George A. Romero's uh, movie. Keenan Tracy, Daniel Doney, a lot of other people I've never heard of before um, are going to be in this. And I really don't know how this will differ from any of the other zombie shows we've had. So maybe this will be more like, what was that one weird zombie movie on, or show on sci-fi that was just totally camping over the top? If it's more like that, that could be fun versus... Oh, was, it, was that Z... Uh, not Z, Z Nation. Nation. Z Nation, very there weird. you go. Yeah, just very, right. There was like a ball of zombies that were falling down a hill like a big old <laughs> snowball and just rolling oh, over. Pretty, yeah, mm. they, just, they just embraced their goofiness. Uh, then we get a Surreal Estate, because I love these goofy titles uh basically um ready for its open house on sci-fi the summer the series features tim rosin of winona erp fame as roman a man who specialized in selling possessed homes so this might be like uh, was it uh precious things what was that movie with stephen king where the guy sold cursed objects um i was i, I don't know you got me max von Sydow played the 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 owner of this you know uh establishment would sell these cursed objects who's basically the devil um yeah i can't remember what it was called but yeah uh if this might be the same thing basically uh, an evil real estate agent why not that's pretty accurate um, why not that's yeah. what they do yeah and the next we have bring it on halloween i think i shared this with you guys this oh is, my god yes so, i know i love it i love it these like weird just hey take a property that hasn't been touched in years uh and, and this could ultimately feel down feel like almost like a buffy the vampire slayer so basically it says held down by restrictive rules and embattled embattled cheerleader squad seeks the freedom of a creepy closed school gym to practice for regionals but when members of the squad start to disappear the cheerleaders must unmask their assailant to save themselves so this isn't crossing over with halloween but it sounds like a slasher versus cheerleaders and it could be entertaining especially if they you know treat it like you know the characters like bring it on it's already been brung they have fun with that it's a cheerocracy already been brought in very exactly it's a cheerocracy why not i want to hear the lines like that pom-pom to the head why not uh then lastly astrid and lily save the world no school spirit, then why not check out Astrid and Lily Save the World? Also make its debut next year. The show follows a pair of high school outcasts who must work to save the world after they accidentally open a portal to a dimension full of monsters. You know, just usual adolescent problems. Just, just a normal Tuesday night. Not a big deal. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, having fun with these properties, a little lighter fare, goofy. That's what sci-fi plays, you know. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get Sharknado 25 um, along with this. So stay tuned. There's more goofy maniac entertainment coming from sci-fi oh well um on lighter news um we've got some uh lego announcements charlie oh my god you know i mean i i I probably dabbled a little bit that a recent experience has uh really defined my hatred of legos in general uh but when i when i'm getting a look at this i gotta be honest with you as a life as a lifer uh with spider-man and someone who's always loved uh, it, I, I could see building this and slapping this somewhere because this is amazing. Uh, the the good folks at Lego uh, are looking to release in uh, 
this year, I'm, I'm looking for a release date, but I'm assuming this is coming up in the near future. Skim, May skim, 26. skim, skim. May 26. Going to be a release of a 3,722-piece, standing over 32 inches tall, filled with Easter eggs for fans. That is correct. The iconic Daily Bugle building in New York City from the Spider-Man comics. So, I mean, I, I look at this and I see, you know, we've we've got just what you want, exploding scaffolding, uh, crammed with different Spider-Man villains, both new and old. I see Mysterio. I see uh, Daredevil. Uh, I see, you know, Carnage. I see, you know, uh, Starfire. So I see kind of the uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Text Cab, The Punisher, New Standout Front, uh, and the big Daily Bugle sign at the top. So, uh because these sets are usually like three, four hundred bucks, I'd say I would love it. Oh, I love the back of it with the dang spider buggy hanging off of it. I'd love to say I'd buy it, but I don't really do collectibles that are that expensive. You know what I mean? But it is cool and iconic. Uh, and for someone who's a lifer in the Spider-Man comics like myself, I could see this as being something that I would enjoy immensely. So, Todd, do you have any fancy Legos to speak of in your house that you've built and kept nice, or is that just off your radar? No, Legos are about impossible to keep uh, in, in one piece with kids. Um, it's kind of like president business. I mean, you let your kids play with them. Things get lost. Parts get chewed and they get lost. Dogs eat them. Uh, it just goes to crap. So you need to have a place to secure Legos because they are very fragile as well. So, um, it just seems like a big accident waiting to happen unless you're like right. a glass case. You don't shut, you know, you don't shake. Um, yeah, not for me. But I, I understand that people go hog wild. Um, the last one that got a lot of like just people went nuts for was the the NES system with a little TV that was highly interactive. That was fun, but not the uh, the last one that that I remember. And again, because of my somewhat horrific experience with Legos that I don't want to go into, um, the most iconic one that I've seen in recent years, and I've seen it in the box. And then I have a different friend who built it and has it in his house. He doesn't have any kids. Uh, is the Ghostbusters Firehouse? It's a it it uh, it's a full hinge. It swings all the way open. It has like ten rooms of different stuff. So it's on par with this. Um, so that's really neat. I know that that was four hundred dollars. But I know on, on the aftermarket, it's eight hundred dollars now. So uh, it's quite an investment that piece is. Um, yeah. So this and- looks- this looks really cool. I'm impressed by this. Yeah, the other Lego thing that came out was pretty cool is Thanos' glove, the Infinity right. Gauntlet. Uh, that one's kind of cool. I think it's like more like 100 bucks, And they have right. some cool like uh, other pieces. It's more like a helmets on helmet stands. They have a – I saw a Lego piece. It's almost like pop art, like uh, you know, pointillism where you're making – Pictures of like Andy Warhol's man, uh, Marilyn Man, uh, Marilyn Manson, Marilyn, Marilyn uh, Monroe. Um, so there's a lot of cool Lego things out there. It's just it is pricey. I think they priced it out. It's like five cents or ten cents a piece. Um, right. When you look at Legos, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but you can see kind of get the economics of a Lego piece, yeah. a Lego set after you see those those costs. But oh well, right, exactly. you know, it, it's it's for the collectors. Enjoy, right. have fun, and. You know, don't expect your kids to treat it well. Oh, well. Exactly um, correct. <laughs> yeah. uh, next story, um, we've got our first image of uh, Netflix is having, I think, two uh, He-Man series, Master of the Universe. Um, this is one that Kevin Smith is involved in. Apparently, it's a five-episode series, July, debuting July 23rd. And the images are very faithful. I mean... What I'm I seeing see, yeah, here, I, I, I see that. I agree. 
It, it looks like it's higher quality is the only thing I would say. It's basically like they have more than like three lines of, of animation, detailed like muscles. Um, yeah, it looks much better. Now, there was a He-Man series that was on Cartoon Network in like early 2000s. That right. one wasn't bad. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, with Kevin Smith being involved, that's just the weird part, right? It's like, what is he going to do with this? Does he have an affinity for it? How did he get uh, chosen? Right. Um, but it looks Damn. like they nailed yeah. Look at look at Tila and uh looking uh buff as hell and then look at Orko is scary as shit. Yeah. That's that's intense. That, that's that's a little intense as you send to scroll down some of these pictures, but yeah, from the jump, uh He-Man and what was the name of the chick in the bird costume? Oh, uh Sorceress. And then you had oh, Evil, there you go. obviously the evil woman. Yes. E- evil Evil Lynn or Evelyn? <laughs> mhm. Evelyn, yes. yes. Now, who is the? Is that supposed to be Man at Arms uh, standing by in the the picture with the four of them? No, that is. Oh, I forgot his name. He's a robot dude. Um, not a big standout. Let's see, Roboto. Right. <laughs> they really got oh, really creative in those Bergato. names. And what yeah. about the uh, what about the dark skinned gal? Who is she? Uh, she is a new character. I've never seen okay. her before. So that's perfectly fine that they're adding new characters. Maybe you know broaden. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look at the name of, of characters. In, well, I'll just go through the voice cast really quick, too. Um, so basically, the voice cast is pretty decent. We've got uh, Mark Hamill as Skeletor, Lena Headey as Eva Lynn, Chris Wood wow. as Prince Adam Heeman, Sarah Michelle Geller, Buffy as Tila. We've got wow. the original Skeletor voice actor returning, Alan Oppenheimer, which is awesome. I'm sorry. Wow, that guy, that guy is a thousand years old. He's He was in a, several episodes of TNG. I, I know. Well he's, well, he's actually not going to voice Skelter, but he's voicing Mossman, which is interesting. Okay. Also, uh, uh, Liam Cunningham as Man at Arms. Stephen Root, which we love, you know, from uh, right. Office Space as Cringer. Again, a Star Trek guy. Yep. Diedrich Bader, King Randor and Trapjaw. Yep. Griffin Newman is Orko. Tiffany Smith Andra. Henry Rollins. Wow. It's Triclops. Uh, Susan Eisenberg is Sorceress. Alicia Silverstone. Wow. Queen Marlena. Justin Long is Roboto. Jason Mewes is Stinkor. Makes sense. Of course. Why uh, not? Philomar as Hero. I don't remember him. Tony Todd. Scareglow. Ooh. Chris Summer. Chris Summers. Priestess. Kevin Michael Richardson. Beastman. And then Kevin, Kevin Conroy as Merman. Man, this is a jamming voice cast that's um, that, that's crazy and when, when does this bow when are we going to be watching july this july 24th um on, yeah on, on netflix yeah we've got a lot of creators that have been involved in animation from justice league uh batman beyond the original he-man the master of the universe um and then um just people all involved with uh animation castle rock magic the gathering walking dead Battlestar galactica and outlander baron mccurry is doing uh, doing the well, composition. Bear, Bear, Bear McCreary's doing the music. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that dude is second to like an Alvin, Alan Silvestri or John Williams, just super talented. Yes. That's awesome. This is really surprising. I'm very excited. Then it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. So I cannot wait. Like I said, July 24th on Netflix. Everything will drop on one day. Can nice. long. Yeah, knock it out. We'll talk. It. No doubt about it. I'm on board. All right, cool. All right, and what what's le- oh god, what do we got here? We got somebody buying somebody. So we have uh, we have Amazon. Uh, yeah, you've heard of them, I'm sure. Uh, in talks to buy uh, Metro, uh, what the hell are they? Metro Golden Meyer, yeah, MGM, uh, for nine billion dollars, and that would give uh, the good folks over at Amazon uh, control of properties like James Bond, 
Kind of a big deal. What's the other big thing they still got? Uh, you know, James Bond, Rocky, and Creed franchises, Fargo, Handmaid's Tale, Stargate Atlantis. Uh, oh, gotcha. Shark Tank, The Voice, Mad Max franchise, and then also gotcha. Pennyworth and War of the Worlds. So they would would they get the Epics service as well? Well, is, I mean, is is that basically what MGM is that how they're is is that how they're playing in the in the streaming world? Is that their engine? Potentially, I know they had a deal with Sony and that just ended, and they were going to have Lionsgate films there. So, um, I think maybe they just have a deal for MGM's library currently. Um, so I don't. Um, oh, the studio also owns Epic. So this could be Amazon getting Epics and getting all right. these properties. Um, wow, that's because that's kind of amazing because MGM yeah. and you know Epics is not really uh, making waves. You're seeing big things come into alignment. Uh, you're seeing uh, you know the, the you know the little fish getting gobbled up by the big fish. So the places like Netflix and Disney Plus, uh, you know, are going to do Mortal Kombat. You know what I mean? Um, I'd love to say Paramount Plus was a big player, but not really in the same fashion. Um, so this is interesting. So yeah, it will come to see how Amazon really bring, cause you know, something like the handmaid's tale is going to get pulled away. I would assume get pulled away from Hulu over to Amazon and they're bringing more content back there as, as licensing deals expire. Uh, you'll see bigger, uh, genres show up and Amazon has had a lot of luck with film producing, doing like indie films and Amazon studios. And you'll see like, uh, uh, something is, uh, that, uh, not Aziz Ansari. Who's the other? Who's the guy who's going to be in the uh, the Eternals? It's also a, oh, Camille Nanjiani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Camille mm-hmm. Nanjiani. Exactly. Uh, it's something that it was about his life story. So they have a lot of a lot, a lot of material, a lot of a lot of good stuff out there. Um, so this this just tightens up that playing field um, that they, they're scrambling around for dollars. So, but again, everything I think really materializes in the streaming space because over the last fourteen months. That's how people are taking things in, and I just don't know how likely that is to necessarily revert back to the way it was in short order. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of put up or shut up these days because uh, I think consolidation is going to happen, and and to consolidate, you need a lot of content. Um, you kind of see what's what's happening around the world. You know, you know, Netflix is creating their own things, but they're also purchasing a lot of things and licensing a lot of things still because it's just hard to compete and that's how you keep eyes on your service and keep subscriptions is with the new content versus you know catalog content i just don't think is as uh, substantial anymore because it, it just doesn't move the dial i mean yeah like older stuff does um like friends and the office are two of the biggest but beyond that i i, I don't know if there's many others that are like moving the bar um and so beyond that, yeah, you need new content. You need studios. You need, you know, uh, either a library if you want that uh, to say, look what we've got, and then new content they can get off of. So franchises are an important thing that they can t- continue to spin off and do things like that. So that makes sense. Um, there's right. studios right now, like Sony, doesn't have a streaming service. So what do they do? They made a deal with Netflix, um, and right. you see a lot of that. So there's not many that won't be there. And I've heard, and I've heard because of this, and, and the next news story. Um, with Amazon getting even bigger, um, you got to compete. So we got Prime that's huge, Disney Plus is huge, HBO Max is huge, uh, but you've got some smaller players. You already mentioned one, Charlie, Paramount Plus. You know they're they're getting bigger because now they've got the Viacom properties to play with. But still, 
you know, what do they have? Paramount films. And that's about it. And that's, you know, that slate of future stuff isn't huge. So where are they going to play? And we'll, so we'll see where they go. um, Cause we've been hearing about somebody wanting to buy the MGM uh, franchises because um, you know, there's a lot of good content there. So we'll see what happens with that. But the next thing that got announced was basically AT&T, which bought HBO Warner brothers, everything like that uh, about three years ago. Um, they bought them, kind of got money out of them, and now is spinning HBO Max off, and they are now merging with Discovery. So Discovery just launched Discovery Plus about a year ago. It's been very successful, um, and it's pretty much based on all of those networks on cable services now that have exclusive content, and they get the, the library as well. Now HBO is going to be paired with them in a deal about $44 billion, so they're very big. Um, so this kind of changes the game again. Um, what this does, though, is really does some weird, weird and unique things, like WB Games, which makes the Lego games, right? Right. You think that true. they would go with you think that they would go to with Warner Brothers, but apparently they may even break up Warner Brothers games as well. So it's it's just a weird mix of activities that are going on with this. But in a way, this probably is a, the best thing for HBO Max because AT and T is a horrible company, and they would <laughs> bleed from HBO Max uh, to you know basically satisfy their own coffers. So I think this at least gives Warner Brothers and HBO Max some independence to focus on what they do and that's build content. So I'm pretty happy with this. Excellent. Yes, like you said, more more consolidation will hopefully find a way to to drill it down into better programming. So that is not a bad thing. So that does uh, if I'm not mistaken take us out of the news. So where are we going now? Yes, we are heading over to the Geek Easy to get our drink on without masks. So let's go. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy. The cover band's playing. Masks are off because we've been vaccinated, folks. And you can ask if you've been vaccinated. But please don't lie if you haven't. Wear a mask. Yes. Stop, stop. Be cool. Stop breathing on me, you anti-max, anti-maxers. Anti-vaxxers. Forget about it. Um, so I am, I am up first this week and I am, you know, I talk a lot about the weekly planet as being a podcast that I really enjoy, but, uh, one of the other podcasts I was listening to, I think the one for trekmovie.com did an interview with Gates McFadden, Dr. Crusher from Star Trek, the next generation, uh, that she started her own interviewing podcast. And I thought, yeah, I'll give that a try. And I was especially, uh, uh motivated to do that when she talked about her, who her first guest was, which was Jonathan Frakes, my personal Star Trek hero, commander slash Captain Riker himself. Um, so that dropped earlier this week, uh, or maybe it was over the weekend, and I gave it a listen, and uh, just when I was driving around yesterday, and, uh, you know, they've obviously known each other for, you know, almost 40 years from, you know, doing Star Trek, so probably know a lot of, the, uh, a lot of each other's stories, but... I think as an, and it was it's a very natural conversation it wasn't it wasn't a dry interview at all but he got to talking about some exciting stuff like he was close personal friends with uh, Christopher Reeve Superman uh, and was having lunch with Christopher Reeve who he was a pilot they were sitting at a, you know an airfield somewhere having lunch and Christopher Reeve checked it said he got up to check his service because you had to call in to get messages from your service back in those days and returned to call walked back to the table and he says to Frakes I just got cast as Superman. 
So it's I, that was a story I'd never heard before. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. So anyway, I, I enjoyed her format, and I think she's largely going to be talking to a lot of Star Trek people. This was the first episode, but I really, really pretty much dug on that. I thought that was pretty sweet. So um, Wait, a Star Trek person talking to Star Trek people? I've never uh, heard of thing. And not, and not even really about Star Trek. They're just talking mm. about talking about really their own their own friendship and their lives and stuff. So I mean, it's just I thought she did a really nice job. Um, and then secondly, I did you know I had realized I hadn't been on Disney Plus in like forever. But you know I've been watching the Bad Batch, which I won't really get into here because we talk about that over on the Holocron Chronicles. Mark and I do. Charlie, um, apparently I've heard that the Bad Batch is all about world building. <laughs> I think you said that 18 times on the show. I'm like, yeah, world world, it, world building in that 30 years of of the Clone Wars. So well, much world building. I, you know what I think? I think maybe we'll change world. First of all, very flattered that you finally listened to the show. Thank you. Um, and uh, secondly, uh, I think I'm going to dub it as world visiting. <laughs> Because <laughs> they do, they're doing a lot of it. They're going to a place, they're at a place, and they leave a place. So well, I, I thought it was funny you mentioned. Well, they talked about Star Wars for being ten thousand years. I'm like, yeah, but apparently we we're only going to talk about sixty years of Star Wars. So, so I just yeah, thought it was so, funny. I, 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 am, so. I, I want, I want the other world, the other eras built. Right, right. <laughs> Same worlds, different eras. Well, we will we will see what turns up. But anyway, something that was not at all related to storytelling were these these little vignettes that they put out in the last month or so i don't know what know what it is super duper short it was called a star wars uh fly through so you just it was just kind of gently going through the millennium falcon and seeing here's this neck here's this cranny they did the same thing with the star destroyer so that was kind of niche and it was short but what i really loved was uh the other feature called the star wars biomes and then you so you took uh you took a word talk about world building you took like uh, Naboo, and you saw, you know, very gently across the, you know, you, you're looking from a lot, it's like National Geographic, you're looking from this long distance, uh, you're seeing, you know, uh, a, a Gungan village, and, you know, the sunset and the critters flying around, and then it will flash you over to Hoth, and you're seeing speeder bikes go by, but again, it's not explosions or recreations of anything, it's just kind of observing the nature of the world building. The, la- the one that I think they really hit is they had a flat bird's eye view of crate which is the salt planet uh where the the last jedi concluded where there was a big battle and you see uh just the salt planes you see uh something cut across and the the salt turns red and crisscrosses and then you start to see the the walkers come up and and a little bit of taste of that so i enjoyed that again it was something different uh and just again for world building or world visiting in this case i thought that um i thought that that was cool i enjoyed it so like something from National Geographic. Exactly. Yeah, exactly my vibe. That's yeah. kind of what I get from it. Cool, cool. Nice, nice. Um, well, very good, my friend. Well, uh, I watched a new movie on Netflix. Uh, this is by the team that brought you uh, uh, basically Cloudy with Chance of Meatballs, uh, the Spider-Verse film, um, Miller and Lord, I think, produced this film. It's called Mitchell's versus the Machines. And this movie, if it was just normal life, would be out in the theaters and would probably be the number one movie uh, in of uh, you know uh, of the weekend and would be making big bank, getting great reviews, and families would love it. But it's on Netflix, so you can watch it now, and it's free if you own Netflix. And this movie is wonderful. It's it's. It's so well done, basically telling a very simple tale about a family 
who's a little dysfunctional, like, you know, just basically teen drama. The daughter's going off to college. Um, and her and her dad are a little different. She's big into artsy fartsy things. She wants to be a filmmaker. Her dad's more of a, a naturalist kind of guy. You know, uh, he kind of almost reminds me of uh, uh, what's his name from Parks and Rec. Um, you know, Burley Man. Oh, uh, Ron. Uh, Ron, 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 I was Ron, not Ron Burgundy, Ron Swanson. Oh. It could be Ron Burgundy, too. Um, yeah, I mean, so uh, you've got him, and then the mom's just super nice. She's played by Maya Rudolph. You've got a goofy brother who's a little bit younger. And uh, the dad decides that he wants to get the family to connect one last time, so they do a road trip to take her to college across country. And while this is happening, uh, apparently a company kind of like Google, kind of like Facebook, whatever, uh, and creates a new operating system for their phone. It's supposed to be great. Oh, boy. Yeah, the AI, unfortunately, basically the, the owner basically pisses off the AI saying, you know, I love you so much, and he tosses her in the garbage as he introduces the new PAL 1.0 or PAL Plus or whatever it's called. And uh, the AI does not like that. So basically, essentially activates all robots and they take over the world. It's kind of like Ultron, that type of experience. So, oh um, oh, but Ultron. it's it's very good, very clever, very cute. Uh, the cutest little pug dog you've ever seen in your life. And it's just very comedic, funny, good use of uh, different animation techniques because of the daughter's style and different things like that. They kind of put that in and just very funny the voice cast is fantastic and it's just really interesting like fred armison and uh what's his name uh not blake um a guy from snl uh typically plays one of the white guys <laughs> i can't remember what his name is he he, he, pl- he plays one of the white guys he plays a white guy. yes he plays a white guy and uh brett uh breck brett are you, are you, thinking, of, are you thinking of breck and meyer no 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 um He's just one of the the guys from SNL, but very funny. They play two of the robots. They're very goofy, trying to uh, pretend to be humans, and it's it's just very good, really entertaining. I highly recommend it to anybody. I watched it, you know, we watched it as a uh, a family. No, actually, it was just myself and my wife watched it. Son didn't really want to watch it, and we just laughed it. We loved it's 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 a great movie for for anybody. So it's not just a kids film. It's a great movie for all of family ages. Really enjoyed it. So check out Mitchell's First the Machines. And lastly, um, I want to uh, just recommend – I mentioned it previously, but I'm, I'm catching up to it And as I exercise and watching more of it is Watchmen. Uh, there's only nine episodes in the season. There's only one season of the show. It's done. It's not coming back for a second season. And I'm on seasons, or episode six, and man, oh, man, this series is really good. But it's also very weird because every episode is a little bit different. And the focus is it shifts and it hit, focuses on a different part or a different character. And but it's it's take on America and racism is one of the best representations I've seen. And it's just phenomenal. And I just did not expect that from the show. So once again, going back into the, the Tulsa uh, massacre uh, back, you know, almost 100 years ago, and just talking about that in a different, you know, connotation what it means to america in different lens where heroes did exist um and while yes there it's it's got ties to the comic book in the movie it's almost like you didn't even have to watch those 
to really understand this because they are really different beasts. So, um, but it but it touches on those in a very interesting way. So I'm really enjoying it. Jeremy Irons is fantastic in this movie. It's really well done or in the series. So I, I recommend it to everybody. It's short and sweet, um, and it's really 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 well done. So check out Watchmen on HBO Max. Gotcha. I will I will consider it. Watch the first episode. If you don't like the first episode, then you can skip it, Russ, because if it doesn't get you at that point, man, uh, I, then I, it will. I, I, I can tie the show on it. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, I just think if, if you don't watch if you don't like the first episode, you will not be in for any more of it. <laughs> but come I for Don agree. Johnson. If nothing else, come for Don Johnson. Oh, boy. Well, there's a, there's a lot to be said about that. Yes, yes, there is. Oh, well, well, that is it for the Geek Easy team. We are now moving over to the Thunderdome to entertain the mutants with a game of comic books. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! Thank you, Tina. The mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained, and this week it's a topic, and we are kind of given a sneak preview for the movies of the MCU through the lens of comic books. So we picked uh, the most recent comics covering the characters of the movies we are going to see this summer. They would be Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and The Eternals. And luckily, and maybe, I don't know, by happenstance, because they have movies coming out, they decided to launch some comic books that are brand new. Black Widow is the first comic. It was published September 2nd, 2020. Kelly Thompson is the writer. Uh, Alina Casagrande, which is a cool name, uh, is the Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this is essentially... I would say classic Black Widow, um, uh, and the artwork is phenomenal. Uh, it, the way they she uh, I'm blanking on her name again. Uh, Elena draws the page and showcases the action and uses the space of the frames is in the panels is just phenomenal. Really, really well executed action scenes. The color scheme. Really impressed, and it was just a very simple tale with a very good cliffhanger. Um, and for sure, ha- yeah, I mean, and it, it had cameos with Cap and Hawkeye, and it's kind of a little mystery tale, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And again, I'm not really up on uh, you know what's going on uh, with her in general as a character, but. Uh, you know, it played back on, uh, you know, they, they kind of snuck in uh, talking about Winter Soldier. So he made an appearance. You got to remember that the, that it's definitely during the death of Cat back in 07 or 08 or whenever that was, the two of them had become lovers, Black Widow and Black uh, and Winter Soldier. So, I, you know, I, I wonder how that all plays. But, yeah, it, it turns into a mystery with the mystery villain that I don't think we should reveal um, because I think it's ba- worth going back and reading on. But, again, we talked – you and I talked about this versus the other two we're going to talk about and have them not be something that really engaged me right away but again you know black widow is a very easy sell it's a spy mystery the character is very established thanks to the films uh so i got into it kind of in that regard where perhaps the other two that we'll talk about didn't really grab me in a similar fashion uh, yeah a lot you know a lot less heavy lifting you're familiar with the character her background all those things right there's no world building to be done it's just you're plopped in it's another tale with natasha romanoff she's a spy She's investigating something very simple. So the 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 level the, the difficulty of entry is very low. Yeah, the other two, far more difficult because um while Shang-Chi, I you know, I was telling you, he his comic book ran for like almost two hundred issues. 
I mean, he's been a member of so many different teams. So the fact that we don't know much about him is just kind of silly. I mean, uh, I mean, how many other comic book characters in Marvel had a issue, a, a comic series that lasted that long? Not many, right. right? Well, and it was certainly more common, common back in the day because I don't know if comics were vastly more popular. And so, you know, every comic that ran 100 issues or 150s or whatever it is really earned it because it stayed popular all that while where mm-hmm. things seem to be extremely cutthroat. Um, obviously, things are very competitive where it's not just Marvel and DC and it's the only game in town. And uh, every kid read comic books where now every kid is on their damn video game system. Or every kid is, you know, on their laptop. You know what I mean? So comics are cutthroat competitive. A lot of your buyers are people like us. Well, uh, and you can only go to a comic book shop these days to even buy a comic. So it's not even easy. It's not even easy to find them. If you have a right. comic book shop, great. But if you don't, it's like not your target doesn't carry comics. Your your drugstore doesn't carry comics. So, right. you know, the, the level of entry to get and get in comics is so much more difficult. But digital makes it 100 percent easier, especially right. with the yes. comic subscription service, which is makes it super cheap like we did it, Charlie. But right. um, well, yeah, where you can find something, you can find absolutely anything at every time. And it, there's no scarcity. Exactly. Plus, it does, if you have a service, it doesn't cost you anything to read it. You can say, it wasn't for me. Move on. But um, Shang-Chi, um, 2020. So this is uh, issue number one. September 30, 2020, uh, written by Gene Yang, uh, who is well-renowned, probably one of the better writers um, in, in actually graphic novels. He's, he's very claimed. He's won lots of awards. Um, and, and, and Chris, actually, he's a mentor for uh, Hamlin University. So Chris knows him very well and has lots of his novels, but he typically does a little bit more serious stuff, but he also wrote Superman versus the Klan, does really good stuff. He's a good writer. Um, and uh, Penciler Dick Ron and Philip Tan and Jim Cheung uh, did the cover. Um, man, oh man, this is a little bit different, but um, I will tell you, Yes, it was – I didn't enjoy it, um, and really this sets up Shang-Chi. Uh, he's basically a hero who's not really heroing these days. He's working as a – basically at a bakery, uh, just helping out, and you do get a little background of where he comes from. Uh, he was part of this – you know, his, his heritage is part of this clan. There's all of these members that are – they are lords of a specific weapon, the hand, the hammer, things like that. And there's like basically a lot of uh, basically someone's trying to take over and the current leader gets killed, who we happen to find out is Shang-Chi's sister, which is very interesting. But the right. artwork. Yeah, that's the twist. Exactly. So a little different. I, I'd say the artwork was OK. The scripting. I don't know what they were going for. It felt right. like very stilted. And even it was funny because Shang-Chi runs into a British agent who is Asian. And he even tells her, stop speaking Chinese because you're not good at it. But then he speaks very stilted English. And so it's like very weird. I didn't get the the vibe of what they were going for. But um, yeah, it kind of ends with a, a reveal. Like I said, I kind of spoiled it. But I mean, that's kind of the reveal. And basically, Shang-Chi is basically being asked to be recruited to basically take over um, this this organization of the of the weapons. So yeah, interesting. Right, but you said overall it didn't. It, you didn't really dig on it. No, it just didn't flow well, and there was a lot of world building in it because they had to like take half of the comic to do that. So in a right. way, it's a it, lot. It's a it's a lot like feeling like Batman versus Superman. Like let's stuff it all in, right? 
Yeah, and I get it. They have to kind of get you somewhere. I mean, you want to introduce the main character at some point and do right. things like that. So maybe it gets better because number ones are hard to pull off in a very well, uh, easy way when it's right. very, you know, you're like you said, you're world building. And you only have 32, 20, 22 pages. I don't know how many pages we right. get in comic book these days, Charlie. I, 20 or 22, you know, and I, I don't know how many ads there are anymore. But, yeah, it's, it's certainly a lot less than it used to be. Yeah, so I will probably not read more more of this just because it just didn't grab me but um you know other people you know check it out if you're interested in the character uh you may like it uh and lastly charlie we talked about it we read eternals number one eternals number one this is essentially i think the fourth try at an eternal series they have never gotten past like issue 15 right Uh, the last series they had came out in 2008 yeah, we you you and I you and I were reading that one, and it was art by. It John was a mini series. Yeah, it was yeah. a mini series. Yeah, I it, think yeah. they have always been the the one hit wonder, the mini series, or the you know the series that just didn't didn't pass muster, just didn't didn't make it. Yeah, so. uh, and you you probably don't know many of these characters. Cersei is probably the most famous. And she was an Avenger. Yeah, and she wasn't even in this. Um, right. It, yeah, this came out January 6, 2021. Kieran Gillen is the writer, who's a very good writer. Izad Ribic uh, is a mostly known as a cover artist. Uh, um, yeah, I, I do remember him. He did a run on ASM for a while. That name is definitely familiar. Yeah, so I think his cover work is more impressive than his page work is, but that's perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, once again, we talk about world building and complexities and a lot of heavy lifting. And I don't know, what did what did you think, Charlie? Um, you know, again, I was struggling, even the element of like, oh, we're, you know, we're the Eternals and, you know, that means we die and we come back again. I am just not really, maybe I'm just not even really remembering from the miniseries that we read from back in 07, 08, um, as being good or not being good, but it wasn't memorable. But again, the things for me that are very, very memorable in comics, it's almost like, a it's almost like a, a, an ancient memory because I'm like, well, I've always read the Avengers, so I know that this thing and that thing happened. And I, I know the origin of the Fantastic Four because it's very established. And, and I know, you know, this and that and how they get their powers and whatever it is. But with the Eternals, you know, and again, this is coming up in, in the zeitgeist. So it's going to be it's a big film later this year. Um, we may come to feel differently about it. It, it could end up being the next big thing. It could be like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy that nobody knew anything about those characters. I knew about the classic Guardians because they appeared in a very old run of the Avengers. And that was just, you know, that was Charlie 27 and oh, Mark God. X. Yeah, Mark X. I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Xandu with a big old Mohawk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, Yandu. Yeah, Yandu, not, sorry. Not, not Xanadu. You're thinking of Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, the premise is pretty simple. The Celestials are these ancient beings. They created the Eternals, put them on Earth to protect uh, the Earth against the Deviants. The Deviants are like these evil creatures, but apparently in this book they tell us they're not really all evil, but sometimes they make evil things. So I'm like, okay. And they do come back to the Eternals do come back to life. And that's where we open up with um, the main character. Um, oh, God, I'm blanking on his name. Is it Icarus? It's, it is Icarus. Yeah. And and um, and we, we he wakes up and he's kind of remembering what's happened since he has been re, re, reinvigorated. And this voice is talking to him, which I think is some type of like A.I. Uh, and kind of walking through and he you know, and that's kind of I, I thought there was going to be some appeal, like there was going to be some 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 a sense of like who these characters are. And 
um, some personality laden in with these characters. And to be honest, they're about as dull as a brick. There's not much personality. <laughs> flat. Um, they run, and it's funny because they run into Iron Man in this, and Iron Man, you know, talks about, hey, can you reach yeah, out to Cersei and like, have lunch with her? Right. So he is named. First of all, I mean, he's he's you know they toss him in there. It's like, oh, hey, Iron Man's in it, and then he talks about the only other character that you would know about who doesn't appear. So it's like, wow, these two dudes, and it's Sprite and Icarus who are running through doing the storyline here, and they got to track down a couple of deviants in the sewer or whatever, because that's what Eternals do. They still can't command the presence of the story. It's just, no. it's, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, and, and Iron Man says, and, and after he gets some very dour discussion, like, well, this is boring. He says, well, Eternals got Eternal. And like, <laughs> very much so, Eternals got Eternal, which means... That, yes, thank you for the... Thank you. Done. Yes, thank you for that uh, lame duck catchphrase. It's not happening. Yeah, so, and and essentially, it, we basically have kind of like a murder mystery, uh, you know, which if someone can't, or if they can't truly die, then is it really a murder mystery? I mean, it's, yeah, I guess, you know, if someone, and that's part of, they talked about like kind of their laws where if you do something, you get ex- excluded and you get kind of put away uh, and you don't get to come back right away. And then they decide so, to bring you back. So they, they, they box them like they do with the silence, like they did with Lucy Lawless. Kinda, yeah. Cause that's what happened to Sprite. They finally allowed him to be woken right. up. Um, right. But it was interesting. Her. Her. How oh, she's a her. Yeah. yeah. Her. Yeah, the right. gender. There's gender fluidity. Apparently, she's right. coming back as a female this time versus was a uh, a male before. Which I I guess that might be part of what you can do. You can change. But they also showed where they live, and they live in different parts of the world, and they transport like, and they're like in little pockets universes almost, like in Olympic, in Olympus, the the North Pole, and different areas. And then we have a big. Uh, I guess surprise at the end, which, um, yeah, if you know anything about the Eternals, there's a very famous or infamous Eternal uh, that is uh, shown at the very end of this book. So maybe there's more here. Um, maybe we'll get some personality out of other characters. But at this point, I fear that if this is what the movie is going to be like, which I don't think it will be, I think they'll take the concept and they'll just inject personality into these characters, I hope, because right now none of the source material is making me feel, uh, or anyone, I would say, probably makes them feel like the Eternals are a beloved series, as I've said in the past. Once again, the source material ain't making me excited about the movie, but the MCU is what's making me more excited about the movie than the source material. Right. Exact, 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 exactly correct. So, oh, well, they can't all be winners, can they? No, no. So we've got, you know, one out of three ain't bad. And and uh, like I said, the Black Widow is very good. So the rest, though, check it out if you're if you're curious. Maybe you disagree. If you disagree, let us know, because um, we'd love to hear about it. And, you know, we're going to do more of these reading projects because we've got a lot of different sources to go in. I think we're going to revisit um, the Green Lantern saga again. And then we're going to talk about the King in Black with Venom. Uh, once it's fully released, which I think that is going to probably be a couple more months before we can actually get through that, Charlie. Yes, exactly. So uh, we will figure something out in the time in between. I'm certain of it. 
Yeah. So, well, it was a shorter episode, but, you know, we just wanted to hit a quick, quick hit on some uh, more recent comics. So, you know, and, and we'll go and do more of these that are a little bit more of a quicker hit when we have less of a bigger topic to explore. So with Indeed. that, though, Charlie, tell people how they can find us around the web. Away we go. Well, friends, as always, I'm going to tell you is thank you for joining us. We are a part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Started over on Facebook with our uh, rock solid, very exciting eight years running uh, geek discussion group, but we do have four great shows, including the one you're listening to right now, which comes out every Friday. Uh, Co-op mode is Todd and our shared cosplay wife, Mark the Canardian. Carabin talking about video games. On the opposing Wednesday, you're going to hear Mark and myself talking about Star Wars and the Bad Batch and world visiting. Uh, and then everybody, you're going to hear myself and my partners, Rich and Aaron, talking about Star Trek over on the Code 47 podcast. Uh, you can find our shows anywhere podcasts are found. Todd is awesome. Todd is our major domo. He does most of our editing and also posts our stuff up on YouTube as audio podcast. So if you like to have it on in the background, go for it. Like, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating wherever it is uh, that you enjoy your podcast. It definitely helps the show out with visibility and all that kind of good stuff. You can find us over on Twitter at SecretFriendsU. Drop us a line. Let us know something you're enjoying, a topic for the show that you love to hear about, a question that we can answer, or just some straight-up feedback. We would enjoy that very, very much. We've also got a great store over on TeePublic. Uh, at the time you're listening to this, uh, this upcoming Friday, there will actually be one of their sale windows going on. You can save up to 35% on things like T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, kids' apparel, stickers, notebooks unfortunately for todd not yet hot pants unfortunately for me they don't have hats yet so they do have a lot of great stuff i own a ton of their uh stuff and what's nice about t public is that the proceeds uh do go directly back to the store owner in which case they go back to us to help keep the show going uh and help with some of the projects that we're planning on so please jump on in there uh, we will post links and promote it heavily this uh, Thursday and Friday. But we'd love to have you out there uh, repping your favorite Secret Friends program uh, from the good folks at TeePublic. Thank you one last time for joining us. I'm going to tell you, as always, that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In the truck. I'll get you, He-Man! He-Man and the Masters of the Universe! I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull! became the mighty battle cat and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Only three others share this secret. Our friends, the Sorceress, Man-at-Arms, and Orko. Together we defend Castle Grayskull from the evil forces of Skeletor. 